Welcome to Stokes County Boys, a podcast in which two friends discuss the place and things that made them who they are and who they're not. As always, it's me, Philip, and uh, I'm joined by my good friend Patrick. Patrick, how's it going, man? Doing all right, Philip. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, we're here at home, as always, and um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't know where it's going with that. But today... <laughs> Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But today, uh, we, we're deciding to uh, talk about baseball today, Patrick. It's actually, it's how we met. If if you want to go to the origin story of the Stokes County Boys, we were, I don't know, we were about nine or ten years old. We were on the same baseball team, right? It was the it was Little League Baseball. It was the majors. So, yeah. I guess it'd be the 10 to 12 age. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we had to be about 10, 10, 11. Yeah, we were on the Rangers, right? Yep. All right. And and my dad used to take he used to pick me and you up from our, our King Intermediate and take us over to Garner Field because it was first come first serve on Wednesdays as to who got to practice. And that's right. And so and we would Ford, go reserve red, the field and that's how I got to know you. Yeah, and that red Ford Bronco too. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. Oh yeah. It smelled like cigarettes and uh the leather of a baseball glove. Stokes County. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Today, we're honored to have a, uh, we got a guest, this once again, it's a topic we can't do just the two of us, so um, we've got a, a bona fide guest today. Uh, you can check out his comedy special called The Hungry Wolf Hunts Best. You can check that out on Spotify or hear him on his weekly podcast, Hunk, with Mike Bridenstine. It's Mike Bridenstine. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. Before we get started, we want to talk uh, a little bit about you, Mike, and, and your background, because this is kind of a hometown podcast, so we like to talk yeah. hometowns. But before we do that, I have to give a special shout out to Jason Tranzu for his direct support of the show. We officially have a, a sponsor. Hell yeah. And so, Jason, as I've already reached out to you, you're officially invited to be a guest on the show, so we're going to work those those details out in a future episode. And um we hereby declare you true Stokes County folk, right, Patrick? Yes, thank you, Jason. Any support is is welcome, but uh, it's it's always nice to put a smile on our faces first thing in the morning. So, Mike, coming back to you, can you tell us, as we do with all our guests, can you tell us about your hometown and anything you want to share growing up in that hometown? Sure. Um, <clears throat> my hometown is Muscatine, Iowa. It's on the Mississippi River, kind of by the Quad Cities, or people might know Iowa City is about an hour away. It was a river town. There's a lot of industry based there. Um, Mark Twain lived there for a while, and then they named everything after Mark Twain. <laughs> Probably our most famous resident ever was an exchange student in 1986 who came from China whose name is Xi Jinping, and he went on to become the dictator of China currently. <laughs> so wow. Muscatine has become like a weird tourist attraction for the Xi heads out there who want to see where he lived in 1986, but also played Little League. Also, I was on the majors, B&J Auto Parts. We won city championship when I was eleven. I also won when I was uh, not or eight and nine. If you want to brag about little league, I'm right there with you. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's what a lot of this episode is: is us bragging about when we used to play baseball and could. If there was a podcast where it was called like "Outstanding Middle School Athletes," like I would fucking have that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, yeah. absolutely. It was the best shape of my life in eighth grade <laughs> when yeah. I went from basketball right into baseball season. Hell yeah. Just to get a, a, a sense of it, one of the other people I know from Iowa is uh, Seth Rollins. Where, where yeah. is it that he lives? Does he live nearby where you are? Yeah, he did. He lived about an hour away in Davenport. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Davenport. You know him or you just know him? No, no, he's no. I just there. know of him. I don't know him. I was like, that's pretty cool. No. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I bought every piece of Iowa Seth Rollins merchandise that exists. So I have like an Iowa zone. I saw that on TV, like when they did a Raw in Des Moines. Uh huh. And I was like, I must have that. So yeah, he's from about he. I don't know what high school he went to, but uh, we would have played him in sports. But I think I'm older than he is. Mike, how long did you live in Iowa before you moved to LA? Oh, um, from birth to I moved to Chicago in two thousand three. Twenty three years I lived in Iowa. Oh wow, that's yeah. great. I'm guessing, you know, the Midwestern boy, Chicago, I, I'm guessing that's why you uh, gravitated towards the Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs were on TV. My town is about half and half Cubs-Cardinals. I hated the Cardinals. Gotcha, which most most Cub fans would. Who do they like in North Carolina, the Braves? Generally, yeah. it's either Atlanta or Philadelphia. Um, okay. People tend to lean towards the Braves. Uh, I was a Braves fan growing up, but I also had family that lived in Atlanta. Well, so, they were also uh, on TBS, the Superstation. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Philip and I have discussed this before. WGN would show the Cubs games in the yeah. afternoons early, and then, you know, uh, TBS in the evening, Braves. So it's. Pick, it, pick your carry. Pick your oh, carry. Yeah. This father of the son. Atlanta Braves baseball. That guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think the best part of, of listening to uh, Harry was just how much he got into it but then it seemed like he his tongue got looser and looser as the game went on and so you never knew what you were going to get around the six seven eight inning i kind of hate him i think he i think he ruined like a lot of baseball culture if you go to you can't go to wrigley field now without just people bumping into you or stumbling around like hammered and part of that is just chicago that's how chicago is but also, like, Harry would just be trashed. And for, like, the last three innings of the game, like, I was a little kid. I didn't know what the fuck was wrong with him. And I'm, like, clearing my throat listening to him because he had, like, he'd have, like, yeah. fucking yeah. Budweiser gargle in his throat, like, for the whole game. <laughs> he couldn't get names straight. One time he said it could be, it might be, and Dunstan makes the grab. Like, a guy had a, a blooper. He was the worst announcer. He was a 1,000 years old and the worst announcer but you st- everyone loved him at the same time. It, you know, it reminded me of Bob Euchre in Major League a little bit. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there was a, a little bit of research that uh, Bob did for his role there. Well, he uh, is the announcer of the Brewers. Right, right. I was going to ask you this, Mike. What, what were the um, what were the what were the minor league teams in your home oh. or nearby? And and yeah, the I'm wearing one of the caps. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm wearing the Cedar Rapids Colonels hat. Nice. Right next to me, I happen to have Quad City River Bandits. This is Davenport. Um, let's see what else. The Burlington Bees. There was. Uh, Clinton Lumber Kings. There's a, there's a lot. There's Iowa has no professional sports, but we got the Iowa Cubs. That's in Des Moines. That's AAA. There's a, there's a you know we would go to minor league games because uh, that's about the only baseball that you're seeing there. That's like on 
Plus, like, it'd be cool back in the days to, like, see a player who was, like, rehabbing or, you know, like a former yeah. player be, like, a coach. That was, like, right. cool to us. That was, like, about the biggest celebrity that we got. Well, we Besides had... Xi Jinping. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> Very interesting right. detail that I hit you with. It. The future, the future dictator. <laughs> but um, yeah, we we were our town where we lived is which is King, North Carolina, K I N G. We're really close to Winston Salem, so there were um, the uh, Winston. Originally, first it was the Winston Salem Spirits that we mm. grew up watching, which nice. is in the movie Bull Durham because they yes. were in the Carolina League that would play the Durham Bulls. Uh, My friend Brendan McGowan, who's on the show a lot, would yeah. go to games in North Carolina. I don't know exactly where he was, though. But Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of like minor league teams. And then and then they changed their name to the Warthogs. I think now they're the Dash, which I think Ooh, is a Warthog really... sounds fun, though. Yeah, we, we went to a lot of those like in high school. We were going to the Warthogs games. I know... I remember one time when Patrick boxed out a child to get a foul ball. Mike, it was, in fairness to me, I've never gotten a foul ball before. I'm with and you. I, yeah, I did what I had. I had a, a Coke in one hand. Is in high school. Coke in one hand, pretzel in another. I did what I had to do. I still have this ball. It's up in my bedroom. It's on the <laughs> right next to a King Griffey Jr. autographed baseball. Ooh, well, look which, at that. Did not actually get him to sign it in person. I bought it in Cooperstown, but it's still very important to me. So, uh, you know. How many times have you been to Cooperstown? One time. It was the summer after fifth grade. And so, you know, you think about just the mentality of a, of a diehard baseball fan yeah. of, of that age. Loved it every moment of it. My dad, it was a dream come true for him because he, he grew up a Yankees fan. And it was because even in Winston-Salem, where he lived... Um, the Yankees were always on the radio. And right. so, you know, he grew up, and, and I grew up hearing the stories of Mickey Mantle. You know, right. you couldn't say Bill Mazeroski without getting the worst look, you know. like 1960. Yeah. Like, I, he, he was diehard Yankees, but, I, you know. Do you think if people listening to this would know what that means when you say Mazeroski? I, I hope so. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit, but, you know, I hope so because that, that – Granted, I was not born. It's 20 years after I was born, but I know about that World Series because of the stories that my dad told. My grandpa wouldn't speak of it. He would not <laughs> even mention it. But it's interesting because you mentioned Iowa. North Carolina is very similar. You know, We've got the Winston-Salem Dash. There's a minor league team in Charlotte, Greensboro. Of course, Bull Durham made the Durham Bulls. Um, what they are today in terms sure. of popularity and you sure. know that's where i live now and like you said going to see uh originally the brave uh, durham bulls were a braves affiliate um mm. but then i say originally i don't know if we're talking like you know the very first but it, as far as i know they switch around yeah um yeah. but it's the tampa bay affiliate now and so it's nice flipping on the television or you know granted covid's changed some stuff but but it's nice like you said seeing Players come back for rehab assignments. Or, you know, I saw a, a jersey that said Jenkins on the back. Like, is that Ferguson Jenkins? And sure enough, it was. Just coaching, doing doing some bullpen work for the year. Like, it's uh, minor league baseball is so much fun, especially if that's all you know in terms of being able to go to regularly. Yeah, totally. I And it's – I guess here I live right down the street from Dodger Stadium, so I don't get to – like, it's not a, as high of a priority, but – 
that's a really fun time. And they always seem to do like Great Depression era giveaways and stuff like that. Someone's always going to parachute onto the field. Or there's going to be fireworks every single game. It's pretty incredible, like the minor leagues. And I would hate it if it went away, even though I can easily, much more easily go to a Dodgers game than a minor league game around here. I don't know if you guys heard, I live in Los Angeles, California. (laughs) Well, I did sumo wrestle at a, a Durham Bulls game a few years ago. Wonderful. In one of those well, s- I'd s- rather s- not talk about that, Philip. <laughs> yeah, you lost money on it, Patrick. You bet oh, against lost... you bet against me. That wasn't cool. I did. I, I, I did. <laughs> I have no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Patrick, let's take a break and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk more baseball when we come back. back we're back patrick that was doing? a good break yeah that was a great break. everybody Fantastic. have fun yeah all right well mike uh let's get into it uh we'll talk a little bit more baseball today it's a theme of the show uh today um do you have uh i just want to ask you what's your earliest memory of either playing or watching baseball or or anything like that uh five years old going to wrigley field i remember it i wish i remembered it better i'm also furious my father didn't think to bring a camera. That wasn't like, was that not a thing in the 80s that people took yeah. pictures? Like, there's pictures that exist of that period of my life. No one brought a camera to Wrigley Field? Like, that's insanity. But there's also a tornado on the drive home, I remember, that we had to go under, like, a table at a pizza place. So that was pretty pretty rad. Yeah. How, how far is your town from Chicago? I think four hours, but okay. in those days, probably five hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan Sandberg hit a home run, Cubs Padres. Uh, they booed Steve Garvey, wasn't sure why. The 84 NLCS was explained to me, saw Tony Gwynn also, and that's about all I really remember. You know, Sandberg, he was one of my heroes at the time, just second baseman. I was mm-hmm. playing second. That was my first huh? position. And so, you know, you gravitate towards – those players and then like you know we had mentioned watching wgn you played played second on the rangers i played second for the rangers until (laughs) patrick that's where they could put the kid with the weakest arm well i'm five six now and so imagine me at 10 years old (laughs) you know in fairness when i was 12 i moved to shortstop for my final year with the rangers but uh, wow okay so they put the best athlete at shortstop so and not we we didn't win a lot of games mike uh The Dodgers was an even worse story. We were on a well, team, the Dodgers, which was the next level up, but that that might be know, for later. But. Yeah, it, it, but you know, it's it, it's the important thing is that people played and it was fun and it was enjoyable, yeah. and so it wasn't always just about the winning at that level. Now, you know, you talk school ball, playing for the middle school, playing for the high school, all that. That's a different story. Because, Your middle you know, school had a team. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Hey, baseball and softball in Stokes County have always been traditionally very, uh, very strong with interest. Um, Who is a big, Josh Hamilton, who is a big player that came out of North Carolina? Hamilton's one. Um, In high school, wasn't he, in high school, wasn't he like LeBron James? Like, 
pretty close. Uh, he he had uh, well pretty close close for the baseball equivalent here. I mean, he was very recognizable um, and a lot of potential. Uh, obviously, he got into some. Uh, He's also drinking whiskey on Zooms. Yeah, and he, he is. <laughs> he definitely uh, made some interesting choices, you know, and I think it derailed his career a little bit. Um, well, a little bit, a lot. Also, also played for the Rangers. Rangers. So you got that, you got that in common. Yep, absolutely. Uh, we also had Dustin Ackley, who I don't like. He he actually played, or he was from Stokes County, and then his senior year went to Winston Salem to play. But he played for the the. Carolina Tar Heel baseball team for, uh, I believe it was three years. It was three or four, and I should know this, and I'm sorry, I don't. But he uh, ended up setting um, some records in the NCAA tournament uh, for, like, most hits. It it was the two years in a row that Carolina went to the championship. Lost both times, but, you know, it was nice to see some of those players playing in it, of course. Um, But he he was our other, like, super big name at the time, Um, you know, first-round draft pick, very high up. Played in the majors for the Mariners for a little while. Tore it up when they brought him up, but then they kind of figured out, you know, I mean, these guys are professionals, and so they'll, they'll figure out their hitters. And so he, he didn't really make much after his, his first or second year there. Is um, it important Is it important to you if you see, like, a North Carolinian or on, like, a team? Is that, Does that matter to you, or do you think who cares? No, we like it. It matters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely does. Anytime. Because – you feel that connection, and and you know, like we've we've got the the Charlotte Horn or uh, there yeah Bob the Hornets Bobcats Bob now the Hornets again yeah, is yeah, that right? Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, we really until care about my, that. Till Michael Jordan figures out how to run a team or listen to the people that'll help him, you know, they're just kind of there. And then the Carolina Panthers, it's hit and miss, and so you know, until the owners, well. College sports run this area. The ACC, you know, Carolina Duke is is a religious event down here. Right. And so it, it seems like, um, you know, we mentioned minor league baseball. College sports really, really, especially basketball, play into the, the mindset of the area. But when we see, you know, when we see a Josh Hamilton or a Dustin Ackler, we see somebody from Julius Pepper, somebody that's from North Carolina in mm-hmm. any sport. Michael Jordan. Yeah, there's that sense right? of pride. Well, Michael Jordan. I mean, that's that's the that's the easy. I can't, I can't believe you're trash talking MJ. Ah, you oh, know, no, not as a player. We, not a, not as a player. Not as a player. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It, in Chapel Hill, I live in Chapel Hill, and there's uh, on campus. There's this very small basketball museum, and they have, um, it, and it has like all the the NCAA championships and all that stuff. But one of the things I love in that museum is they have a letter of. Um, Michael Jordan writing to coach uh, Mike Shashevsky rejecting his offer to attend Duke. And that's one of the, like, it's like front and center in that, that's in that great. museum. But wow. It's a beautiful thing. He yeah. sent a rejection letter to Coach K? Yeah, he was like, thank you for your offer. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Chapel Hill or something. I forget wow. exactly. but They should market that. That should be like a poster that they sell. And... <laughs> yeah, should just I'm be sure that. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure they do. So did you play ball as a kid? Did You know, what position, you know, what, what's your experience as a player? Started with T-ball and Cub Scout softball, and then eight and nine I, I played. Um, I was terrible as an eight-year-old, but you know, you're eight. Yeah. And I was pretty good 
from then on. Like I was, uh, I played first base when I was in not. Nah, I mean, like we won city championships both those years. So like I thought, like this is for me. Like I love this. And so then I played in the majors, quote unquote, like um, 10, 11, 12, won a city championship when I was 11. Most of this was like just so happened to play with like a stacked team. Like I wasn't awesome, awesome. And then um, played Pony League, then went AAU, did traveling AAU, um, played high school, freshman and sophomore year. And then I decided when I was a junior that I wasn't a very good athlete and it wasn't worth having coaches scream at me. And so I just didn't play sports anymore after sophomore year. Mike, you mentioned AAU, and um, you know AAU now is very <clears throat> different. Travel ball now yeah. seems like it's very different. How how was your travel ball experience in terms of the time commitment? And the reason I ask because now it seems like people are on two, three travel teams around here, and they'll they'll play eleven months out of the year. And I can't help but think, like, Lord, what's that doing to their bodies, their when, arms? Well, yeah, they they all have to get like TJ surgery by the time they're twenty years old. Like I talk to people from my town and they're like the little league is depleted like the whole thing everybody's got their kids on like five different aau teams we went to like milwaukee or we we played in tournaments like around the area and it was much more intense than you know regular pony league that's for sure pony league was just like anybody who could sign up played so there's kids who like had never thrown a ball before who like were playing pony league it was just bad but I had to quit soccer. I remember that. Like that was kind of weird because you know I played soccer my whole life, and they're like baseball or soccer, and I was like, well, not you know, like no one's ever maybe choose a sport before. I had that realization when I was like getting more into high school, and I realized when I was I was a little bit better at basketball than baseball, but then I realized like, oh, if you want to be good, you have to play all year round, not just like a week before the tryouts <laughs> and. Yeah, the kids who were really good got asked to invited to play like indoor leagues and stuff like wooden bat indoor leagues. But you know, we went to camps and everything like that. But yeah, I I would have played all year, no questions asked. But and also like Bryce Harper, like he remember Bryce Harper how big of a deal he was when he was like in high school, and they're like, can he handle the pressures of major league? And they're like, this dude plays a hundred and seventy games a year. You said that you um, stopped playing after your sophomore year. Is that did I hear you right? Well, I played junior. I went, I went two for two in a game junior year and then quit. So I <laughs> technically have the highest batting average in the history of high school. There, you know what? That's something you should hold on to. <laughs> Just want you to know what type of athlete you're talking to. Yeah. Hey, first base, right? <laughs> I played. I pitched. I did. I did. I pitched, and then I was a DH uh, in high school. And I was a pretty good hitter freshman year, like on the sophomore team. Then junior or sophomore year, I hit about 190 as the DH, uh, which I don't know if you know statistics, if your listeners do. That's bad. Yeah, that's a little rough. <laughs> Especially when it's your only job. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, one and a half more hits per uh, <laughs> 10 and you're a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like me when I was like, I played third base a lot. I kind of settled into third base. He had a good arm. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I I wasn't the Phillip best. had a good arm. I had a good arm, but I wasn't incredibly accurate. So, like, a lot of times <laughs> I can make <laughs> that throw to right. first base. 
yeah. but also had like Damn. the anxiety of like I'm gonna throw it over his head, and and then of course I would. But every team had that kid. You got to move that kid to right field. It's just for the coaches out there, uh, strong arm, no accuracy. You put that kid in the fucking outfield. Well, I got to tell you, third base line drive. I'm catching that ball. You know, don't worry about it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I may not get the person that ran to second base and didn't realize I caught the ball as a fly, but you know, all the errors will be throwing errors. I get it. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. I know. I know exactly who you are. Yep. So what what is it you love about baseball? Why why baseball over over the other sports or anything else? Well, okay. So right around the time that I got into baseball. My dad, the only thing I liked at that point was pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And my dad came home. I don't know if he was worried about me or like what, but he's like, do you like baseball? And I said, yeah. And he's like, do you want to start collecting baseball cards? And I said, yeah. And so he got me a 87 tops, like with the wood border, which mm-hmm. is still my favorite set ever. And the picture on the front, so you could draw a picture of the player if you wanted to be like, that's who that guy looks like. Okay, so now I know what he looks like. But then on the back, it's like, what is all this shit, right? Like, just numbers. And and so I started saying, asking what everything was on the back. And it would be like, okay, so then you start to figure out what makes you good if you're a hitter. What makes you good if you're a pitcher? Because that is going to help you like make sure that the card is valuable. Or just to know, like, that guy's – which guy's better, like, Ozzie Smith or Ryan Sandberg? Because, you know, you had those arguments at school. Or you had anything like that. And you could be like, boom. You could just mic drop it by being like, he hit 350 last year. That means something. Or he had 100 RBIs. That means something. And then the, the Sunday papers would have everybody's stats – at once like and so you could see everybody compared them like who's doing well why is this team doing well so i could put a number and i'm not a math guy or like a numbers guy in any other scenario but it can form a map for you to be like this guy won 20 games this guy has an era of two that means xyz and then you can place it in a larger scheme of things now in the past 10, 15 years, a lot of people have rethought a lot of those stats and been like, well, what, a, what about this? If a, if a batter hits it, like how much of it is luck? Like if he hits it right at a guy with hard, why does the pitcher get credit? Why does the pitcher get a credit for a win? They don't pitch all nine. And people kind of rethought these things. And it was very fun for me, the same when I was seven years old, to go back in and relearn all of the new things and then be able to teach it like to a lot of like my friends who absolutely wanted nothing to do with it and my father who wanted fuck all to do with it because i think that at the end of the day like what people are worried about is that i'm going to tell them that their favorite player wasn't that good <laughs> and it's usually the opposite of that usually like like guys like joe morgan who are saying like all these stats like you know, they make all the legends look like they're not as good. It's like, dude, Joe Morgan looks five times better with the new stats, like telling you how often he got on base uh, 
and how great of a fielder he was, things like that. <laughs> My favorite player is Andre Dawson, and he looks worse with him. But so I played baseball. I loved drawing, so I loved seeing like the, the players on the cards, and I loved the stats on the back that I could know definitively how good of a player this guy was at any given time and how that changed. And so a combination of the game itself, the statistics, the strategy, yeah. and I probably as a little kid being able to see the players' faces as opposed to like football. Um, and then I guess also my dad and my grandpas both liked it. So it was like when you're a kid, you, like if you tell your grandfather or your father something cool that – he-man did on tv they don't give a fuck but you know that like they want to they want to spend time with you uh if you <laughs> if you want to play catch or if you want to talk about baseball you know why andre dawson i mean i know you're a cubs guy but why specifically him i mean when i started paying attention it was 1987 he that was his first year on the cubs he signs he's hands the cubs a blank check and says i don't want to play in montreal anymore it's fucking up my knees like he's like just whatever, just pay me whatever. I want to play right. day baseball. The Cubs didn't have lights till 1988, and he hit 49 home runs and won the MVP for the last place team. And it, it was so exciting that year. And he, so he was the best player on the Cubs the first year that I knew what that was. Like I've been to Wrigley Field before, but what I, I wouldn't pay attention. And then you know. Later on, kids would be like, Sandberg's better. And Sandberg was better, but that first year with Dawson, and he's also badass. Like, the way he would just, like, he would mean mug the pitcher. Like, he was just awesome. I do have a, a sad, like, my first time at Wrigley Field. It's kind of a sad story, but. <laughs> That's what Philip always does. I'm trying to ruin everything. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a yeah. sadist, and he's like, I hit so somebody this with guy. The car. No, uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we had to keep going. No, Philip, Mike, Philip had to change his name. It was uh, Bartman. <laughs> I heard you got a ring when the Cubs won. I'm proud. Of, I think it's time that we all let oh it go. Stop being mad at you. That thirty for thirty on that that guy is is it's brutal. It makes you just. It makes me ashamed of those of that fan base. To be honest with you, I lived in Chicago for that, and no one. Like, because my friend was there, and he came over to my apartment afterwards. He's like, what What happened with the guy? And so I explained, because they kept showing him over and over again on TV, Bartman. But if you were there in person, like, you had no fucking idea. So, like, I knew, but the guy at the game was like, what, what was everybody, like, talking about? And then the next day, like, everybody, like, his pictures all over everything. Everybody hates this guy. That's just a real ugly time period. <laughs> yeah. Well... My first time in Chicago, I was, um, we had a friend. So my friend's dad was a um, surveyor. He did like surveying, whatever that is. So he had this. Like a land survey? Yes, yes. So he had this instrument and for some you reason. You didn't work for the family feud? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. If not. I was a land, if I was a land surveyor, so if somebody's like asked me for the number, I would say survey says like every <laughs> single time just for fun. It would never get old. <laughs> do that. It'd get old. It would get old immediately. Yeah. But anyways, for some reason, some piece of equipment he had, it had to get like serviced or repaired in Chicago. So he was going to Chicago, and randomly he was like, "Okay, uh, I have to go to Chicago for this thing, so I'm going to take my son to a Cubs game." Right. 
go to Wrigley Field. And he was the only child, so sometimes I would go on vacation with him and his family since he was like an only child, and he wanted like a kid his age to play with or whatever. So we were probably like 10 or 11 years old, and so he was like, okay, we're going to... Uh, I ended up going with him, right? And we're trying to get to this Cubs game, so we're driving... And this might be the first mistake, knowing Chicago a little bit more now, but we're driving there. The traffic's horrendous, right? And so it takes us forever to get to like where Wrigley Field is, and then you can't find a parking space. So this is just like taking forever, and it's this big old rigmarole. So we finally get, and we actually had pretty good seats, so we finally get to Wrigley Field, and we get in there, we get our seats. It's like the bottom of the seventh inning, so... We're like walking in as they're doing like the seventh inning stretch, Whoa. but um, yeah, and and I've done that and just kind of caught the end of the game. But but I had to park in that neighborhood, and they had like street signs like you can't park on certain streets if there's a Cubs game, and so I would spend that amount of time looking for parking just to go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that was my. Um, and as someone, as we've mentioned, from Stokes County, like a rural, you know, the town we grew up in, 6,000 people, and you're going into Chicago, which is like a, you know, it's a real city. Um, it was kind of a culture shock to me to be like, how does it take this long to find a parking space to go to a baseball game? But It drives me crazy whenever you watch a TV show in L.A. or Chicago or New York or anything. Wherever they go, they pull up and park right in front of them. <laughs> right. It's just like, fuck off. That never happens. Or if it does, you think that something must be wrong? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so speaking of the Cubs, can you tell us about the, you know, finally, the, the 2016 World Series win, like your experience with that? I went to spring training that year. And I'd never been before. I met Andre Dawson at spring training. That was a highlight uh, for me. Then I went to opening day in Anaheim, saw the Cubs. And I just had a feeling the whole year. And that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) But um, (laughs) 2015, they were ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. Like they, they got third place in the Central, but they still won like 96 games or something like that. don't quote me on that. It's don't don't at me. I, I know that it was just they got third place, but it was a lot of games. And then they won that wild card. Arietta was so dominant that second half. Every player on their team was like twenty. It was crazy. And so I just thought like this team is so good and so young that the pressures of being on the Cubs in the playoffs won't matter to them. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, a 13-year-old Chinese gymnast who doesn't understand the pressure of the Olympics. Do you know what I mean? Like, you probably don't know what I mean, but they say that it's like an advantage for like a kid to be out yeah. there because they don't know, like, they don't feel pressure like like an adult athlete does. And so that's what I, I extended that logic of an anecdote that I heard once to the Cubs. And I was like, this team is, this is the best shot of my whole life. To the, I mean, like 2008, they were good. Um, 89, 2003, like all the years that they were good, this felt different. And so when they 
they played in LA. I went to all three games. Like I was hooked. I wrote a blog that whole year for like a website where like I covered like every single game. And so I was invested mentally, uh, monetarily. <laughs> like I was just invested in the whole thing. And so that was like so stressful though. I barely got any enjoyment out of it. And when I think about that game seven, I still get a disgusting, like a pit of my, like a punch in the stomach feeling, picturing that home run that Rajai Davis hit in game seven of that World Series. Like they started off up. It was like, if they would have just like blown him out, I would have, that would have been the most, the greatest thing that's ever happened. I mean, that, the game being that close and having to win in extra innings, it was just like so much stress. Yeah. Yeah. But, I went crazy, you know, like I, I cried, I, I called my dad, I did all the things that I thought I would do. I think it was like, I, I went through the motions of all the things that I always pictured that I would do if the Cubs won the World Series, but it was uh, surreal, especially I picture Bryant fielding that grounder in the grass and throwing to first and Rizzo catches it pretty high. Just every other time in my life, and there's an alternate universe where Bryant slips on the grass, sails that fucking ball uh, to first, just like Philip when he was the year after the Rangers. Like he gets that ball, but he sails that ball over the first baseman's head. Yeah. And yeah. then you know they, the Indians somehow win, and like I can just see it all happening. But yeah, I, you know, I'm a crazy, you know. Cubs fan my wife could not watch games with me and like my friends who would come over because we would all be like no you were sitting there when they scored you have to sit like we're just being fucking psychotic and she's like you guys are all just so fragile you know yeah, yeah. it's like a real mental disorder to be a Cubs fan but Mike in fairness like that's real if, if you're wearing <laughs> if, if you're wearing something and and you know, you, you got to wear the same shirt. You got to sit in the same place. Speaking of, like, where were you for the duration of the series watching uh, the games? In the next room over from where we're talking now. Yeah, um, I was at home. I can't. I couldn't be in public. I just couldn't. I know myself. Like, I've never been able to watch Cubs playoffs. Like, when the game seven of the two thousand three NLCS, the game after the Bartman game. Carrie Wood hits a home run and ties that game. And I was like, I jumped so high that I almost hit my head on the ceiling, just screaming at the TV. And I was by myself. Like, yeah. So I get so worked up. I, I get one of those books um, where you write down, where you take, keep score of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, if I think, if I stay active mentally by being like, you know, five, three, like after ground out to the third baseman, then I. Uh, I know that I won't be as anxious, but I, I, I'm psychotic. Sometimes I'll pause it and let it run and fast forward through mm -hmm. their at bats because I'm just too, too crazy. You know, I used to do that with um, UNC basketball games. So if they were down by at least ten points and it was getting like down to it, I would turn off the TV and like wait a little bit because I couldn't take like I couldn't yeah. even handle the comeback. You know, and this was like in the Dean Smith days uh, yeah. when he was coaching. And, you know, I was like, oh, oh God, okay. And then I'd turn the TV back on and hopefully they would be within like two or three and just get so 
you just get so nervous and your heart's like beating so far. It, it, it's insane. I don't like, I don't know why I, cause it's like, why do people love sports like that? Why was I so invested in these guys? Am I like, did I, but it's also, you know, it made me call my dad. It made me think of my grandfather. It made me think of friends who also enjoyed it. It made me think of little league. It made me think of like all the things that were talking about me think of like being a little kid picturing winning the world series with the cubs like these are the things that like mattered to me as a kid and they're always going to matter like on some level but it encompasses like everything like that like the feeling of family the feeling of friends and it's a lot to put on those guys (laughs) that are you know jerry seinfeld's like you're rooting for laundry you're rooting for but broken down on any level yeah it's stupid but I don't give a shit. I love it. And it meant a lot. I'm not going to lie. Mike, you hit it. You know, you hit the nail on the head. It's important. Sports are important because of the connections that we have with them. And yes, they're probably only as important as we allow them to be. But, you know, I, I had, uh, both my grandfathers are, are, are dead now. They've passed away years ago. But, you know, when I think back to my last conversation, now I'll be honest with you, and I'm not trying to pull a Philip and go all Debbie Downer here, but uh, with, with my... <laughs> never, never let him off that. Never let him go. With a... Survey says? <laughs> with my last two conversations that I had with both my grandfathers so that, that died very um, in the same window of time, so to speak... One, I was very close they fell, with. They fell out the same window. You know, they were finally getting along. and uh, no. um, they, Both conversations I had were about Carolina basketball. Yeah. One, one, of the, one of the grandfathers and I were not very close at all. One I was very close with. And, you know, it, it's just, what do you talk about in a scenario when it might be your last time you know uh my dad passed away a year and a half ago and the last text message that he sent me was just you know uh uh, he he had this thing that he would do where he would send an emoji of a bullfrog because his name his nickname as a child was terry bullfrog so anytime there was a big sports win whether it was Carolina sports. Um, you know, I, I went to UNC, and so uh, I think Dad was always really proud of that because growing up a UNC fan, now his son's going. So UNC basketball, even football, even you know women's soccer, lacrosse, anything UNC sports, he had a connection with. Um, but he would always send a little picture of an emoji with a thumbs up if Carolina won. You know, he at, at the time I kind of knew I didn't want to admit it, but the last text message he sent was after Carolina beat Duke in basketball, and he sent me that emoji with a, a, a thumb and a heart, and that was the last okay. interaction. You know, and and so, you know, you mentioned the Cubs win. You called your dad. It's it's these sports are important, especially when you invest so much in them. When you know about it, you talk about taking score, so like or keeping score, I should say. You, you know more than just the, oh, you hit the ball and run the first. Well, no, you got a dead pull hitter here, so this is why the outfield shifted like this. This is why yep. the yep. outfield needs to play in. You know, I, I was doing a little – this is – so I think it's a little have more – have, have you ever done that for anybody before, by the way? Like, have you – like, um, I was at a Dodger Stadium with my wife. This is, like, the first game that we went to together, and she – I could tell she didn't know a lot about baseball, and she said it was boring. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I think it's just like 
people hear each other say that, what they mean is, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. And I know it's called mansplaining or whatever, but somebody needs to fucking mansplain <laughs> to these women and children boys, like, what the fuck is happening. Because it's interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, see that guy doing that shit? Like, this is what he's doing. Like, so they're going over scenario, like, it's, you know, to be able to break down why they're standing where they are, like you said. Str the strategy of baseball is more if listen I don't there's sports I don't get and if somebody broke down and explained like what was happening in the strategy I might appreciate it more I went to I tell the story all the time but I went to a ballet because my wife's boss gave tickets to the, like the Nutcracker and we went to like you know where they have like where they used to have the Oscars this like really fancy auditorium someone's like how was it and I was like I don't know <laughs> I don't have any idea. I don't know what I should be looking for or anything. You know what I mean? And so if somebody's like, this is makes a good ballet or whatever, I'm, I would probably appreciate it more than just somebody watching it being like, okay, all right. Well, you're dead on. I mean, you know, baseball is a sport of nuances. And, and yeah. there's I, – I struggle – I can do it in the playoffs, I think, more so than just a typical day like I used to be able to as a kid watching just, you know, the day games of the Cubs, night games of the Braves. But the camera angle – I want to just – I want the the overhead shot at this point in my life. I want to just set up the sky cam and let me just see the whole field. Let me see what's happening. It seems like there's so many just – camera cuts or what cutaways and this and that it, it makes it hard for me to really appreciate it that's where that's where i sit i when i get the best tickets in the world because they're cheap are nosebleed right behind home plate that's where mm. i sit every mm. time oh yeah Absolutely. i know it's not good seats but i can see everything Especially if you're invested and understand the game a little bit more than say the average you know just beer drinking oh, if oh, person I, going you know yeah um, Mike, I, I was—I I think it's a little more socially acceptable here in in our COVID twenty twenty era to to kind of cyber stalk, I guess, because um, we don't have a lot to do. <laughs> I'm going to call it research. During my research, you know, getting getting to see, uh, you know, just a little bit of your background, I came across something that you had said. It was dealing with uh, Barry Bonds and the uh, 1991. You know, I, I know our listeners, everybody's probably thinking I'm going straight to steroids. No. You, you were talking about Andy Van Slyke yelling at Barry Bonds to push up. And it was the uh, seventh game of the um, NL NLCS. And, you know, Sid Bream. Again, this was the highlight of my life because being such a big Braves fan, and I had seen my first um, professional baseball game two years earlier – but then I had actually seen them clinch the West um, that year. And, you know, for, for a nine-year-old West. Boy, the yes, West. Because the Atlanta Braves were <laughs> yeah. in the West. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. But I remember Sid Bream, who had no business. I, they, they should have had a pitcher run for him or something. I have no idea why he was even on the base path. Oh, but it's just watching brutal him. Watching, him, watching him turn like turn the corner, it's, round it, third. Oh. It's awful, but you, you know you were you were. That's one of the most famous it. and greatest games of all time. Yeah, it is, and you know it, it breaks my heart because of what happened in the World Series that year with with the the Twins and you know Kirby Puckett making an incredible incredible catch, hitting a home run when he was planning on bunting. 
Oh, I, I don't. I'm reliving some nightmares here, but you know, you talk about the nuances <laughs> and stuff. Like, I think that's something that does get lost in um, a lot of the discussions. And and my question to you, and you know, you kind of, um, we we've kind of tiptoed around it a little bit. Do you think that, um, you know, of the kids, I, I mentioned Bill Mazeroski. You know, do you think kids today, with the popularity of such sports, specifically in America, as football and basketball, um, and we can get, you know, that's a different conversation for a different day as to why these have seemingly replaced baseball as the pastime uh, or the you know do you, do you see that baseball maintains enough that that you're still going to have that kid that understands why Mickey Mantle you know was so important and and why he had tension with Joe DiMaggio why uh that I don't know. I think like the the late '80s Oakland Athletics and Ricky Henderson. I think of Ken Griffey Jr. and the. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of bat flipping. I'm not like I, I don't think it really shows up the picture as much. But come here, come here, come, come here, come here. You you need to get over that. I I don't like I I don't I'm not a huge fan, but I don't care as much as I see a lot of people doing it. Can I tell you something? You're sure. wrong. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I I know that you I Philip told me you're gonna get to it, but I'm when I'm covering all these old like World Series games that I write about, they were fucking showing each other up. They were doing all kinds of crazy shit. Whoever told you that bat flip was disrespectful and that like players that Babe Ruth pointed to the fucking outfield, bro. That's the one of the most famous stories like ever. He's blowing fucking kiss. You can see him, Babe Ruth. Like, who's more classic baseball than Babe fucking Ruth? Like, these guys weren't like polite gentlemen. They, these guys were straight off the boat, coal miner, like hobo trolley motherfuckers who like got paid a buck fifty a year mm-hmm. and got into fist fights with umpires and spat tobacco <laughs> and smoked cigarettes like on second base and shit. Not not really second, but like in the dugout, like <laughs> this is not a polite game. This is a get dirty, punch a dude in the face type of game. Like so you can't flip a bat, but it was practice for decades to knock the catcher's ass into the Fucking stands if he was standing in. The, come on, man. You <laughs> just, what, if if you if like you were one of those people that thought that Cam Newton doing that like disrespected your honor or you don't like some seeing somebody spike a football. Fine, then you want sports to be fucking boring. You want chest passes, and you like you think that everything like when they dab after they score, <laughs> you're like bullshit. They should hand the ball to the referee. And no, man, kids got to get excited about shit. Mm-hmm. Let the dudes flip the fucking bats. Let them let go crazy. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., you have his autograph. It was a flashy motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He was more exciting to watch than a lot of these guys. Barry Bonds had no fun. That's why Barry Bonds decided to ruin baseball. <laughs> because he hated, <laughs> he hated specifically... Patrick, I know that for a fact. He he specifically is mad at you because he knew you were going to say the bat flip thing. Make it make baseball fun. Celebrate personalities. Celebrate individuals. It's 2020. You got to let them flip the bats. You got to let them. Oh, but also let the pitcher fucking throw one at his head if he's pissed off. Mm-hmm. 
You know what well, I mean? I think, Mike, I think that's, that's where, uh, and, and, you know, in full disclosure, too, I had a few years there where I cut myself off from the game. And it was when I stopped playing. And, you know, it was in a lot of ways, um, small town politics started to play into things. You know, there were there were things with playing time for the school team. Stop was, being fun. It stopped being fun. And I needed to, to shift my focus to something else for a while. And, you know, after a few years, came back, you know, uh, love it. It, it. It's a beautiful, beautiful game. It's a beautiful sport. And you're right. You know, it, it, it is... An ugly game. People, the personalities can show through and, and do. I think that it feels like sometimes I feel like it's a little bit of a double standard. Like, uh, what's the the kid's name that um, just got suspended for a ridiculous amount for throwing and you oh, know yeah. yawning? I, Kelly was it? He's Joe the pitcher. Kelly. Joe Kelly. Yes. Like it almost feels like a double standard. It's like if you can't. If, if if the pitcher can't stand up and, you know, we we know with the Houston Astros and everybody's pretty pissed with them right now, at least the players, I mean, for the other teams, I completely understand why they're throwing some, some high and tight fastballs a little bit there, especially if they were um, directly affected by that, shall we call scandal, even though in baseball... Kelly, Kelly, wasn't, a, Kelly wasn't on that team, but getting suspended like that made him a martyr. That's the best thing that's ever happened to, to that guy. <laughs> people know his name people are talking about him <laughs> yeah exactly that's so they should let these guys become personalities they should let like the fact that i doubt my neighbors know who mike trout is hurts my feelings but then again i live in a dodgers neighborhood people know who justin turner is they know kershaw people love the dodgers around here but i'm also like on the east side of los angeles but they have Willie Mays playing, um, or I guess Mickey Mantle playing, you know, like an hour away, and no one cares. Hmm. But so it's, I think, but they should let people's personalities shine, and they should do more individual marketing for people. Like Harper does a pretty good job, but like Fernando Tatis, like put him out front, put make there's sh- like market these guys just like Griffey, just like fucking Bo Jackson. Like how big was that, oh dude? God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've spent more time than I care to admit during this quarantine watching YouTube videos of Bo Jackson breaking his bat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he didn't oh. need a knee. And I don't know if that's because, like, the late 80s and early 90s, like, if we just were kids and that was huge, but, like, Bo Jackson was larger than life. And I don't know if are people looking at, like, any of the players in that same way. Like, I think that you were getting around to like what about baseball and stuff like that, like about how, how big of a sport it is compared to football and and basketball. And I, and I'm going to guess that basketball is going to be huge where you guys are from, like till the end of time. Football is interesting because football, people are going to have to make a choice with the further kids, especially with like all the information coming out about concussions and that sort of thing. Like, I know players who had very promising futures who, who had to take a knee because of no pun intended, but like because of uh, fucking concussions. I wasn't even trying to be funny, but uh, you know, Chris Benoit fucking murdered his whole family because of you know because of concussions. Yeah, OJ probably did. I mean, oh, that's what he's a running back in the seventies. The dude's head is cottage cheese. 
There was a, I always uh, quote this like, yeah. oh, who was the guy on 60 Minutes, the old man, Andy Rooney? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, when I was growing up, players had names like Ruth and Gehrig. These guys all just sound like Rodriguez to me. I think that that is part of it, as bad as that is. I think that just like a lot of people like probably fell out of the NBA when they're like, it's all just black people. You know, mm-hmm. like um, I all of a sudden I knew who Michael Phelps was when he was an American who was the best at swimming and the Olympics were on. Yeah. All of a sudden I knew who Lance Armstrong was when he was an American who was the best at cycling and when I had never heard of like anybody else except for like maybe one other cyclist in my life. People want to see themselves on camera. So it's like if there's not a lot of black players playing, uh, then the black viewers might not be as interested. And it's, you know, like representation matters sort of thing. If, if you see, like, if, you, if the players on there aren't, if you're not seeing yourself on the screen, you might not enjoy the sport as much as a theory that maybe makes sense. But, um, yeah, racism. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I didn't want to get too academic because I was about to slam Patrick on, like, um, issues of, like, controlling black bodies and the idea hey, of like, I just said I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> I just said like I'm not a huge but fan. I'm glad of you mentioned it. And if you want the like <laughs> No, but think about this, Patrick. Okay, so if I ever scored a touchdown in the NFL, <laughs> I'm I'm going to be playing air guitar. I'm going to do whatever I'm doing to like to just like celebrate that. That's the best thing in the world. If I DX ever hit a home run. Yes, exactly. Yes, I'm doing that. I'm I'm doing Dude, the whole I'm doing the whole Hulk Hogan uh, pose routine. You know, the <laughs> cup in the ear and and stuff yeah. like that. I'm doing all of that. If I ever hit a home run, though, uh, so Mike, I in an actual game, I only hit one home run <laughs> in Little League. I I hate you because I never hit one. Okay, so it was the it was perfect too because. I was 12 years old, so it was my last year in the majors, right? First pitch, he threw it. I just rocked the thing like center field, line drive, nice. home run. That was the best feeling in the world. And the best thing after that, there was like this hailstorm that happened right after. It delayed the game. So like after I hit this home run, it's like a two-run home run, hailstorm, sat in my car for a little while, you know, just buzzing off adrenaline, and then we finished the game later. <laughs> You know, I, cool. I should have done more celebration there. He hit the ball so hard he caused a storm. Yeah. Patrick, um, let me ask you this. How old were you when you started hating fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, when, I've been teaching 15 years, so I guess, uh, <laughs> guess about 24. No, it, it's interesting, too. Um, Philip was actually at... The game that I hit my last home run, I was about 17, and uh, he got to see my last home run from the audience nice. there. I sprinted around the bases, not because I was trying to, you know, just, it's right for the game. I was so stoked, because I'm a little guy. I mean, this was, I, I hit, you know, you can count on two hands how many home runs I hit in my entire life, you know? Like, this was a big deal to me. You know, I think, um, like, and, and not just the, take the bat flip out of it, you know? I, I like seeing the people have the fun. I think that sometimes it, it's 
the narrative becomes, you know, okay, this person hit my my player, so now the next game I have to hit. The, it's like just let's go and play the game. Run your mouth, but like let's let's go. I understand, you know, you mentioned the CT, and I, I want to be very clear. I'm not making light of any sort of head injuries and all this stuff. You know, I think of Pete Rose in that All Star game with the plowing the catcher and just Ooh, Ray you know, Fossey. Career, career over. Like I, I missed the plowing the catcher. I missed that raw, just just energy of playing the game. And sometimes I think that it, it's. I don't know. I, I don't know the game well enough right now in terms of just, I guess, the personalities of the players um, to know the difference between them showing their personalities out as just, you know, making it fun, having fun and all that versus trying to show a pitcher up or the pitcher retaliating and just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not well versed in it as much now as, say, when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14. Ken Griffey Jr., though, you know, I wear my hat back. When I wear a hat, I wear it backwards because of Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, he took BP with his hat on backwards, and he looked fucking awesome. Yeah, he did. Guess who Guess, guess who hated that? Adults. Adults, <laughs> yes. And, you know, there was a commercial that came out. Uh, you know, quarantine has my, my days all blending together. I believe it was a year ago. It could have been longer. Could have Let been the shorter. kids play. Let, Let the, the kids, kids play. play. I thought that was a really good and the perfect commercial. guy, the perfect guy to to do it. Oh, but but kind of going back to to some of the things we've been talking about, how many people, Mike, when that commercial came on, knew immediately? I know that voice. How many people knew that's Griffey? And if you know it of the of the demographics, I knew immediately. I I'm, oh you did? Okay. I knew immediately. I, that's Ken Griffey Jr. and I'm wondering how many kids are going to hear the stories of him. Every injury, had, I got in an argument, and you know, we don't really want to get into the steroid conversation because that'll take hours. But, but you know, I got in an argument with somebody once about Griffey and steroids because they were like, "Oh, you know, he he had injuries, and and people that took steroids had injuries." You saw him break every wrist every time he. he <laughs> it was. Because he made this amazing catch in center field. It, it you know, I, I didn't mind, like, the era. It, it just, it, it bothers you, me. How do, you, how do you feel about how Hank Aaron and Willie Mays are basically just like, I think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? Well, he should be. Okay. He, I, I think Barry Bonds should be. Again, it, there's that purist mentality, but there's also the let the kids have the fun. And I'm not saying that, you know, hey, everybody takes steroids. You know. The fact is, is this is an era that everybody in America was getting into that home run race between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Philip, you on AOL instant messaged me that as soon as Mark McGuire hit that, <laughs> that home run to break Maris's record, mm -hmm. because, and if I recall, and, and Mike, you, you probably know this better than I, but if I recall, I feel like it was the shortest home run that he had actually hit that Oh my year. God, it, bar it barely you know, cleared like, defense, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but we were have all the newspapers. invested. But everyone was so invested in that, and we forget the 94 strike. My, one of my grandfathers stopped watching baseball after the strike because he was just so angry at them, one another grandfather might died in '94, so he had no baseball to watch. Like I should have been angry. Everybody was. The only thing he had to watch was the OJ trial. Uh, <laughs> but like '98, 
comes around and like, listen, Ripken's breaking the record was huge, huge. But 98 Maguire Sosa was like, that was everybody in America paying attention to that. And you could be like, I wasn't. Well, you're a fucking dork. So like, I don't <laughs> like if you weren't paying attention to that, I don't know what to tell you. You were you were not like part of the culture and you should be proud of yourself. But everybody else who who knows any I mean, that was everywhere. Everyone was paying attention to that. For better or for worse. I think it ruined the Cubs just like uh, I was mentioning about Harry. It brought idiots to the field who were on the bandwagon. So the the average IQ, baseball IQ of the viewers dropped substantially. Every fly ball was a home run to them. That's all they wanted to see. Um, but Sosa, I could go, I could talk to you about Sosa for three hours. The The Cubs have no fucking reason not to honor him. We should all get over it. They all made us very happy. Ve- like, provided us tremendous, and we bend over backwards and twist ourselves into pretzels to come up with the reasons why we should hate them. They made us fucking super happy. Like, moments of happiness, joy, like, intrigue, like, do you know how many home runs Roger Maris hit in 1961 off the top of your head? 61. That's correct. Baseball numbers fucking matter. How many home runs did Hank Aaron hit? Does anybody know? Uh, 755. That's 100% correct. These are numbers that matter. Like, I don't know how many points uh, Kareem scored. I don't know how many, like, yards uh, Walter Payton or an Emmett Smith. Like, I just don't give a shit. And it's not, like, a famous number. These numbers mat like, the back of the baseball card. The and, and that's why, like, it's super fun to watch them get broken. They're set up so you can watch, like, imagine somebody coming out of the gate and they're actually going to like go for 72 home runs. Like that's going to be the craziest goddamn thing that's ever happened. Like, and people are going to be like, well, did you have, so that part's not going to be fun, but records are records being broken. Fun. It's fun to think you're watching the best guy ever. That's why everyone gave a shit about Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. That's why they stopped giving a shit when those guys like were out of the picture. Like it's, everyone likes to, the best. Everyone knows who Usain Bolt is. A Jamaican sprinter? How many other Jamaican sprinters can can anybody name? People want the best. It's exciting. And so 1998, if you're not down with that, I got two years for you. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for that. I just got to say that, you know, we owe a lot to, um, as I put in the chat, let them juice because I, I'm ambivalent towards that because – the things we love the most are because of steroids. Patrick, you know, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, um, you know, uh, Drago from Rocky IV. You know? <laughs> oh, that's, he, I mean, Drago is a legend. But uh, no. I was at WrestleMania 30. I saw the oh, Ultimate yes. Warrior get. My brother was the there. Thing. I saw the last three days of the Ultimate Warrior's life. Yes. And I had this conversation, or this is my second Ultimate Warrior conversation today. But I feel like there's part of him that was like, gave up right after mm-hmm. that because he had this grudge against Vince McMahon for all those years. And I think mm-hmm. that he was just like, that's it. That's all I wanted. And then he fucking floated off into <laughs> arts, parts unknown. Yes. The only <laughs> thing keeping him alive was that, like, that hate. And he then was, he was able to release it, and it, he was done. Yeah, my brother he was, was there, too. He was kept alive through, through pure hatred of Vince McMahon. Kept his was his life force. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Patrick was supposed to go to his first WrestleMania this year. 
in Tampa. Ooh. Yeah, I had tickets. Everything was purchased, ready to roll. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm more of a Royal Rumble person myself. You coming to LA next year? I actually want to. I actually really do want to because I I want to go to one WrestleMania at least before I die. And if I if I only see one, I'm fine with that because you know the Royal Rumble is more up to to my style because I, I like seeing more people. Everybody, okay. I love that. And they so, have a battle royal at every WrestleMania. They let everybody get. Yeah, but I mean, Andre the Giant Memorial. Like, I mean, this is. Uh, and I don't want to see Gronk. I don't want to see Gronk so, like wrestle, uh, but. <laughs> No, yeah, I, this was going to be my my WrestleMania, and then COVID hit and all that. Um, you know, LA actually, we'll, we'll see what happens with everything. But I would absolutely love to come out. I've never been out to California. Philip, have you been to a WrestleMania? No, my brother has been to a couple because he lives he lives in Louisiana right now. So he went to um, thirty, and he went to the what was that thirty four? Yeah. I believe. Um, I have not, unfortunately, but. I mean that Daniel Bryan run for thirty oh was one God. of my favorite things yeah. that like I've ever seen in pro wrestling. I haven't been watching recently just because I haven't had like a hook, but like I just loved that um, Daniel Bryan run so fucking much. Yeah, that I was so excited to be there. They do a really good job too if you're in town, like for all the events that they have for the, the yeah. Thing. I, yeah. I'm sponsored by WrestleMania, everybody. So. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, I. I know we, we've had you for a while, and I don't want to hold you too much longer, so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, it's been fun. But I, I want to talk about your World Series reviews that you're doing, because I really enjoy these. And Oh, thank you. I just will have to say that I studied like um, uh, Latin American and Spanish literature in graduate school, and the thing that I studied was like turn of the 20th century. So when you write about these early World Series, this is like right up my alley. And I just love the, I love the way you write about them because you write them in a way that is not only like it's entertaining and that obviously you're funny, you're a stand-up comedian, and you write in a, in a way that, that brings that. But you also have that, that history background and those stats and this insight that's, um, that I really appreciate and that kind of mix of those things. So um, – I just want you to talk about those. Like, what inspired you to start these? And there was no baseball on TV, and so I wanted so I wanted to write about baseball and post just as a way to write. I, I mean, like as an excuse to write, first of all. But then I started looking up like the 1903 World Series, the Pirates versus the Boston Americans. That's Cy Young, Honus Wagner, and you start looking at. The score sheets, just like I would keep score, they have those. Those are available on Baseball Reference. And it started to be, like, mind-blowing to me how much different the game is. A, it's the dead ball era. B, there's so many fucking errors. Like, it's crazy. Their gloves were made out of, like, they just took two slabs of leather, and that was their glove. Or they, like, (laughs) the balls were garbage. The field is garbage. Like, if you look at pictures of the... If you Google image search 1903 World Series, you're gonna, I know which picture you're going to see, and there's going to be like a thousand people on the field, and you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? And so that was kind of my question when I started researching these, and it became very fun to yeah. research the players. Everybody has the best nickname ever. Everybody's story was fucking hilarious. Like, 
if you look up some of these like old timey players, it's just fucking funny nicknames. Their everyone's name is like Rube or Pud or like, and you know they have these great stories. And then I would like try to find the old newspaper article about it, and like the way that these guys wrote, like Ring Larder, like the people who wrote in the paper about baseball were celebrities and they were all very funny and I was like this is so fascinating that I started like pulling together like um, I started making fun of things or being like this no this guy is the shit and talking about it and then I was I just kept going and I'm up to 1920 I'm working on 1926 right now and it's fascinating to me how things have evolved like Babe Ruth is fucking fascinating to me because he is the perfect place at the perfect time he was a pitcher it didn't matter how he swung there is a world war going on so it's 1918 and the the red sox need to get fans and more fans show up when this guy pitches so they put him in the outfields like so all of this stuff is happening then like ray chapman gets beamed in the head and they they outlaw the spitball so they change the ball and they outlaw this pitch so the ball is different right when this motherfucker just swinging for the fences and he's playing at the polo grounds, which is like a tiny, like tiny down the line and like a bathtub. But this dude's hitting 500 fucking foot home runs. And so my question was always, if you look at this dude, he's six foot two. Everybody thinks he's fat. He was like a beast when, like when he, when he started. And if it was a fluke, at this moment in time, why was he still doing it 10 years later? It just makes no sense to me. So it's been fun writing about him. It's been fun writing about the greats and like what happened in these, like going through for myself, the 1919 Black Sox scandal, learning like what the going narrative has been in my head the whole time. Like, like, like to me, the Reds played worse. If you read like my review of that one, it's just been fascinating to me to like, as a person who knows baseball really well, knows the stats really well, loves history and that sort of thing. It just and and wanted an excuse to write about baseball and bring it all together with that. And it's uh, in the one dollar tier of my Patreon. <laughs> it's just you know something extra for people to have on on the Patreon. Well, I just have to say I I really enjoyed them and and it kind of scratches my itch and like a couple of different ways in terms of like comedy and, and history and then just like sports, because there's, there's just something great about those narratives, but I, I just like the way you, you, you put them together, but I hope. Oh, and then when if I have a question about something, I actually will tweet at John Thorne, who's the official historian of major league baseball. And it's, he's, and then he'll respond to me and he'll be like wrong about it. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. It's just like, a, it's like, you know, I love Cooperstown. I love the Hall of Fame. I love um, my favorite type of book is a nonfiction book that's like you've been lied to. Breaking things down, like um, yeah. if I have an opportunity to tell Patrick that he's wrong about bat flips, I'll be <laughs> the people who like my World Series reviews, like no one's on the fence about it. People either fucking love it or they're just like, yeah, I don't read those. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I, I'd appreciate it. This would make a great volume. If you wrote them in your voice and it had like some illustrations and stuff, like just the, the things that you're pointing out, not just like, oh, it was like you were saying, like, oh, it was Honus Wagner versus um, 
uh, uh, Cy, Cy Young, Young, you know, and, yeah. and, but it's like, no, you're, you're focusing on the fact that people are in the field and there's all these ground rule doubles because these idiots were in it. the outfield. They're just hanging out there. I can't get over it. <laughs> no, that's like, the best part. I honestly think that's the best part that like, yes, why are these people in the outfield? What is wrong with these people? Baseball players back then. Yeah. Like, do you know who Ed Delahanty was? Like, I'm probably saying his last name wrong, but like. The one of the best players of the 1890s. Like, okay, so picture Ken Griffey Jr. And he dies by falling into Niagara Falls. Like, that's how these fucking people die. And yeah. they, like back then, it's the whole thing is ludicrous, and it gets more modern. Like, and I look at their stats. Like, I'm gonna have to explain to people just how good. Rogers Hornsby was for this next one and stuff like that. Like, here's I just tell people what they need to know, and what they might find interesting about that. And um, it's some real nerdy shit, but it's more. F- I hope that you get when you read that, like how much fun this was for me to tell yeah. you about. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can, you can see that in there. And like, Patreon.com forward slash Brido, be your idea. Well, I think we'll leave it at that, uh, Mike. It was it was such a pleasure to talk with you, and and yeah. just thanks for thanks for actually responding to me and and like coming on the show. I I really appreciate it. It was it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I um, hate when I reach out to people to do my show and I don't get a response. Mike, this was like I really had a good time talking to you. You know about baseball and getting to know you a little bit. Um, yeah. Something we ask all of our guests at the at the end here. Uh, it's the million dollar question. Um, I want you to think back to your hometown or, you know, the local where you grew up. If you had to go back and have one meal, where would you go? <sighs> Salvatore's Pizzeria. They had, that was the best pizza that I had when I was a kid. And I still, when I go back, having had lived in cities and had basically some of the best food in the world, I would say. It still holds up, and I'm happy that sometimes if you, like, there's this one Chinese food restaurant that was so good to me when I was a kid. I know this is probably a longer answer than you anticipated, but hold on. I hope it works out. Um, <laughs> and then I moved to Chicago. Like, I went to, then I went to the University of Iowa, and I was in Iowa City, and I would have people be like, this is really good Chinese food. And I would say, it's good. But it's no Peking restaurant in Muscatine, Iowa. I'm just saying. That's the best Chinese food. And then I went to Chicago, and people were like, have you had this? And, like, and I would say, this is good. But it's no Peking restaurant in Muscatine, Iowa. I did that my whole fucking life. And I went back. My parents don't live in that town anymore, so it's like the reason for me to go there didn't exist as much. But I decided to go, and I went to Peking restaurant in Muscatine, Iowa, and it was hands down the worst Chinese food I ever had <laughs> Like, my memory is an asshole. It's just all fucking, like, just a, my memory is just dog shit. My taste buds when I was a kid were pathetic. Like, I'd had macaroni and cheese, and that's all I'd ever had in my fucking life. Of course I thought this shit was awesome. Anyway, that pizza place still holds up. Also, I've been missing, like, the idea of made right. Is a, it was invented in my hometown. It's a loose meat sandwich it's like a sloppy joe but it's more of like a brown sugar base on the meat than it is like a tomato and you slide some pickles and mustard on those and 
it's a very Iowa thing. Wait, what, also, was, it, what was it called? It's again? called a, a made right. I mean, you're not going to get it because in Stokes County they have inferior restaurants. But no, <laughs> okay, I, I, when I come, you'll have to tell me where to go and how to meet Ric Flair. Yeah. Well, well, you better come sooner than later then, because he, <laughs> he keeps going down to the performance center. It's like, stop, stop. He's Keith Richards. He'll be, he'll be around. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's like we, you were mentioning before, Iowa had no professional sports. We didn't until, like, the late 80s with the Charlotte Hornets. So, like, before that, the only professional sports. So your was, whole life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or at least, you know, some of those formative ages. Before that, the only professional sport was, um, you know, uh, Mid-South Wrestling in the Greensboro yeah. Coliseum. <laughs> Who ran Mid-South? Was that Jim Crockett? Yes. Yeah, it was a Crockett. The night of WrestleMania four, I was so bummed out I couldn't watch it. Then I get this phone call from my neighbors, and he like, wants me to come over, and he's like, we're watching wrestling. And I go over there, I'm like, what is this? And it was Sting versus Ric Flair, Clash of the Champions. They just put it on TV. And I was just yep. like, what in the fuck? Who is that? Is that, like, who is that guy? He seems pretty cool. Yeah. Now, Mike, was that the 45-minute time limit draw? Yeah, he had him that, in the figure four. Yep, that, that's what made me fall in love with Sting. It made me fall in love with wrestling. It made me respect Ric Flair, even though I was too young to like him. I hated him, but now looking back, that was the match. Yeah, because they would put that up against WrestleMania. Yes, the same night. It's, it was genius. They mm -hmm. gave that shit away, and it made everybody be like, who the fuck is Sting? This guy oh, yeah. is the best. Actually touched Sting in a, when he was walking down the, the aisle going to the ring. I reached out as every little little stinger that ran down to the the. Uh, <laughs> metal, I was one of that. Metal. I was one of that seat. Oh, it's amazing. I also got to touch Scott Steiner, but that Ooh, wasn't big, as cool. <laughs> big big pop of pump depends on what when he was doing Frankenstein'ers. Oh, this this was when he just started that. The Frankensteiner. So See, this that was a, that's a, my favorite Scott Steiner era. If you beat Big Papa Pump with the like the the thing on his head, like the, yeah, wanna, yeah, the chain yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, Mike. Steiner brothers ruled though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mike, uh, it was a pleasure again, and and take right, care. Thanks, guys. thanks so much. Yeah. Yes, thank you. All right, so once again, uh, you can check out. Mike Bridenstine uh, on Spotify. You can listen to his comedy album, The Hungry Wolf Hunts Best, or uh, his weekly podcast, Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. It's a great show. Uh, to find us, you can uh, email us at stokescountyboys at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at scboyspod, Instagram at stokescountyboys. We have our Spotify playlist, and if you want to support the show, that's anchor.fm slash scboys slash support. Be like Jason Tranzu. Support the show. Keep us going. We appreciate it. All right, Patrick. I'm just getting started, Philip. i got to go practice my bat flip. All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, make it look good. All right, oh, take yeah. care. All right, bye, y'all. To be someone must be a wonderful thing. <laughs>